It's okay. Sometimes I push that, and I feel like if you're just okay, you're just okay, you know? Toy Story 2 was just okay, you know? So, um, so glad you're here. If you're, uh, if this is your first time at Fathom, welcome. If you're just checking us out and, and getting connected here, then we're so thankful that, that you've chose to be with us. There's a lot of places you could be on this beautiful, beautiful Sunday, and so I'm ex- excited that you're here. We've been praying and thinking of you, and so we just want to tell you from, from our heart into your life, uh, welcome home. Welcome home. Let's try that again. Welcome home. Welcome home. We're working on that. We're getting there. So, uh, no, I'm excited. It, it, so, this video really reminded me that many times when it comes to money, we get more focused on what we don't have than what we do have. And God's never asked us to do anything with what we don't have. But many times, that's all we're focused on is, is what's not there and what's not in place. But really what God's asking us to do is to make the most of what we have. I don't know if that means turning a red paper clip into a house like this guy, but I'm, I was inspired by that way to turn around. I think there's a, a show on A&E called Barter Kings, and that's what these guys do. They, they take like $200 investment and try to turn it into $2,000 or $20,000 and just making the most of what you have. So we, we started this brand new series called Trust Fund last week. And what we found out is that we're all trust fund babies, really. We're all trust fund babies. That's the, the truth of the matter. And we gave you this graphic. Go ahead and throw this graphic up. Um, I think we've got it here. Yuppers. We've got yeah. Here we go. To just kind of help you assess. So if you weren't with us, I'm going to catch you up. And then we'll dive into our text for today. And really kind of looking at the state of our accounts. Because this whole series really just, uh, it's a really about our heart. The reason that, that Jesus brings up money. It's, it's never about the money. It's really about our heart and really our perspective on money. And I, and I find that a lot of believers, man, we've got a really jacked up perspective uh, on money. And I think if we've got a really jacked up perspective on money, then I think we've probably got some things wrong with our heart too. And that's really what God's concerned with. And so I, I threw this graphic up here to really help us identify where we're at. I've now learned that what's going up on the left-hand side is actually the y-axis. I call it the x-axis, but it's the y-axis and so some of us in the room, we're, we're in the struggling. In fact, uh, close to 80% are in this category in America. 78% of uh, folks are just fighting paycheck to paycheck just to make it. And so we put you in the struggling category. Um, and then uh, maybe you're just ahead of that. Maybe you're just barely getting the bills. You're just keeping your head above water. Maybe you're in the surviving category. That's the state of your bank accounts. Uh, others, maybe you're in the room, you're in a stable place, you know, if you lost work for a few weeks or a month, you, you could probably make it, it might start getting tie, tight, but then you would be struggling, or maybe you're in the surplus and, and it would be kind of a long time, you could go without work and, and, and you'd be okay, uh, that's, a, that's a small percentage of folks. Uh, but then the, the really, the, the more important category, I would say for today um, and throughout this series is what we're focusing on on the bottom in that x-axis is where's the state of our heart account? That's what Jesus is after, and Jesus, you know, this one scenario where this woman just gives just the tiniest, this widow, she just gives the tiniest little bit, and Jesus says she gave more than anybody else. And so maybe look at this, and maybe you can just fill in, are you a stingy giver? Like, it's a rare day for you to give, or you're a sporadic giver, just basically when you feel, when you're feeling generous, when you're feeling good, when there's a little bit extra, then we give, or you're a solid giver, you're maybe a believer in the tithe, and and the, the principle of the tithe and honoring God with that. Uh, maybe you're generous and, and like you actually think it's fun. Like you're, you're actually, it's a, it's a joy. That's what the scriptures say, that it should be a joy for us. Don't give because someone's asking you, but to give joyfully out of our hearts and cheerfully 
Or maybe you're extremely generous. I'd say you're in this extremely generous category, and one, it might be a gift for you, like a spiritual gift. Some God actually gifts people and gives them the spiritual gift of giving to build up his kingdom. Extremely generous. I would say this is not only where you are praying about being generous, like, God, what would you have me give? But when God brings you something that scares you a little bit, you still walk in faith in that. And like, you're, it's a sacrificial gift. And I would say, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna throw it out there, but I bet we could actually put a percentage or a range of percentage on this. Like with our finances, like we're 1%, you know, 5%, whatever. You could do that. You could fill that in your brain. But what I wanna do is, is through this is because I just wanna help you get to the next step. Because I think everybody in this room we want to be up and to the right, don't we? I mean, we, like, like you want to be generous. Like, we all do. I don't think there's anybody in the room like, nope, I'm just going to kind of stay stingy my whole life. I don't want to help in the kingdom. I don't want to help people in the world. I think that's rare, like anybody that doesn't want to be generous. Uh, and, I, and I think there's, we'd be lying to ourselves if we said we all didn't want to be in the surplus, right? But 80% of us are in the struggling category. So I just want to help us move up and to the right, and um, many times I don't talk about it like that, but in this, just kind of look at where you're at. Maybe just have an honest assessment of where you're at today. We've been using this uh, legal definition for what a trust fund is, and so throw that up there. Here's what it is. A trust fund is a three-party fiduciary relationship in which the first party, the trustor or settler, transfers or settles a property often, but not necessarily a sum of money. Upon the second party, the trustee, for the benefit of the third party. And what we laid out last week is that we don't call it a fiduciary relationship. We're going to look at it. We have a covenant relationship with God Almighty. He's brought, he's brought us into relationship. And, and uh, he is the truster. The, the earth is the Lord's and all that's in it. He owns the cattle on a, a, a thousand hills, Psalm 24, Psalm 50. It's all, it's all his. So he's the truster. And he has settled our accounts through Christ, who is the original trustee. Who, who bore our burdens and bore our sins to settle our spiritual debt that we couldn't pay. And, and then uh, we are kind of the original beneficiaries. But what the scripture tells us, we've, we're beneficiaries. We're the original trust fund babies through the benefits of forgiveness and salvation. And like the list goes on of his hope and his peace and all of the above. But what happens is as we come into Christ. We're no longer just beneficiaries, but what the scripture tells us is that we're actually co-heirs with Christ, that we become trustees as well in what's entrusted. And we're going to look at a text here in Matthew chapter 25 today. So if you've got your Bible, we'll go to Matthew chapter 25, your phone. We'll have it up on the screen. And before we dive into it, I really want to catch you up and just kind of let you know where we're at in the text. So for those of you that don't know anything about it, Matthew, uh, you know, is... is his gospel is in chronological order. So it begins with the genealogy and it ends with really what we call our mission statement, but it's the mission statement that Jesus gave us. Some call it the Great Commission, co-mission with Jesus, go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You know the rest. We talk it all the time. Matthew 28, 19, 20, that's the very end of, of Matthew. And so it's in chronological order. So by the time we get to chapter 24, the disciples are starting to ask, and Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for his death and what's going to happen after that. He's really trying to prepare them for eternity. And so they're asking things about eternity, and, and he tells them, and he begins to tell these parables. He, he curses this fig tree at the end of chapter 24, and he'll tell this parable at the top of chapter 25 about these ten virgins 
who, who, who uh, five of them had oil in their lamp and the other, others didn't. Some were ready for eternity and some were not. And the parable we're going to look at and here in chapter 25, verse 14 through 30, the parable of the talents. And really the, the, the essence of what Jesus is trying to communicate is first in, in the previous parable, hey, what does it mean to be, like, what does it mean to be ready? Are, you need to be ready. And then here in, in the rest of, of this. And so I, we're going to dive in and we're going to talk about finances and we're going to talk about being trustees with the resources God has entrusted us. But I just want you to know that this isn't undertones of eternity, this is overtones of eternity. Jesus will get to talking about weeping and gnashing of teeth, and then he'll tell a, another parable about sheep and goats and there being this separation. And as we go into this, because of some of the environments that we've been raised in and the teaching that's gone forward, as we'll go through this, I think we could begin to kind of mess some things up theology. So I, I just want to preface what we're about to get into and make sure that we see this in, in the proper view um, the grace of God is strong, and, and no amount of works that you can do can you be saved. It's by faith we've been saved, not by works, so that no man can boast, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Like, so that is present. That, that stays true, okay? So just remember that as we go in, and what we're going to begin talking about is being faithful with what's been entrusted to us. And so that's really Jesus' answering the question, what does it mean to be ready? And Jesus is going to say, it means being trustworthy with your time and with your resources, that's what, if you want to be ready when he returns, and he will, then we must be faithful with what we've been entrusted and, and see ourselves as trustees and not see it with a temporary view. Uh, and so I, I want to read this text here in Matthew 25, 14 through 30, and, and then I simply just want to ask you a few questions today. Matthew 25, verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money. So this isn't about talents. He's talking about money. To another, two talents. And to another, one talent. Each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. And the man who had uh, received the five talents went at once and he put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off and he dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. You can almost hear like the joy in him. He's proud of what he did. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, and I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, kind of same story here. He said, you entrusted me with two talents. I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Exact same scenario here in Jesus' parable. Then the man who had received one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And so I was afraid, and, and I went out, and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy 
servant. So you, so you knew I harvest where I'm not sown and gather where I'm not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with a banker so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. And so take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so if you think that was just about money, what's up with the weeping and gnashing of teeth? Okay, so there's a lot going on here, and, uh, and I think that God wants to speak just a timely word in, in our lives today about what it means to be ready and being prepared, and it's about faithfulness. It, it's about putting our hands to the plow and being faithful in the little things, because it really makes up being faithful in the big things, and it's really what it takes for the body of Christ to go into all the world, to live a life worthy of the calling that we've received is really what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about some workspace gospel. I'm talking about living a life that's worthy of what we've received, this gift. To whom much is given, much is required. That's another place in Scripture. And so I just want to ask you a few questions. Uh, the first one is, am I jealous of what others have been given? Am I jealous of what the others have been given? I just put myself in a work environment here. And uh, just imagine some of your coworkers, and the boss comes out, and because really we're talking about money here, and so we're, we're guessing probably about $1,200 in our American modern money is what one talent was. So for the first fella, he got about six grand, the second one, $2,400, and the third one, $1,200. And so that's kind of how the money divvied out. And so if your boss came in and there's you know, five of you in the room and he's like, hey, I'm leaving, I'm gonna put you, know, you over this 6,000, and you're like, John? You're going to put, put John in? John doesn't, he comes late. He doesn't clean the, the microwave after he gets done with his leftover spaghetti. And he's got a little bit of BO, frankly. Like, you know, like, why John with the $6,000? Not you, not you. Um, no, but you, you've seen this before. And if you don't think, wait till the next person that you work in the same cubicle or you've been doing the same job longer or the same amount of time, whatever, they get the raise they get the promotion and you don't. And so if you don't think you got any of that, just wait till that happens. And you're like, what? Excuse me. <laughs> you know, um, God wants us to be able to rejoice with others. That's a whole nother sermon. But I, I think there's this whole deep truth that God needs to get into our, our hearts when it comes to being trustees is we're not responsible for anybody else. The one with five was not responsible for the one with one. The one was not responsible for the one with five. We were each responsible to the master. And I think in the church, many times, we kind, of, we kind of run under a guise of generosity of a church and, and miss out that it's, it's us individually that will be held accountable. And we've got all these underlying things that are going on in terms of our, our jealousy of what others have. And we're jealous of the car they drive or, or, or what their family looks like or, or we're jealous of you know, their income or their education or the start they had. But going back to that original video... It's not about what, you, it's about being faithful with what you've been given. It's about making the most of the red paperclip. If all you've got is a red paperclip, be faithful with it. If you've got three paperclips, be faithful with those few 
paper clips. Like, be faithful with it. That's the essence of what God is saying. If we want to be ready, it's not a matter of how much we have. It's a, of what the bank account looks like. Because over and over in the scripture, uh, Jesus says that it, it's um, div- difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And he exalts really these, these opportunities. He takes the, the opportunity to look at those who had very meager means but sacrificed generously. Jesus takes an, an opportunity to acknowledge that. But, but we live in a culture in which we're always eyeing the next thing. Like we, we bought an old 1936 house five years ago, six years ago. Coming up on six years. No, five years, five years, sorry. Um, and it needed a lot of work. And so uh, the, and we had an investor had had it before us, and they had actually done a lot of work. And, and every year we've just like, we had a, had a vision for it from the very beginning. But each year it's just been, let's, we're going we're gonna to paint the house this year. Right. And then the next year, all right, now we're gonna do the landscaping. And the next year, and so we've just done little by little, and so we're really proud. Like it's just it looks totally different now. It makes such a, a difference, but it's just been little by little. And every time we get a project done, I have to fight this because I'm like, I just wanna do more. I just wanna do I just wanna I wanna sprint when I I gotta realize this is a marathon, not a sprint. We live in a very immediate microwave culture. And I would just say, just discipline yourself today because we talked about it in the whole lottery illustration last week. You are who you are. And more money is not going to change who you are. If it does anything, it's going to change it for the worse. You know, statistics, stories will tell you that. It doesn't just make people good with money all of a sudden. Um, and, and so we are, are who we are. And a couple of things I want to point out about this story in particular First of all, these weren't gifts to the trustees, to the servants. They weren't gifts. He was coming back for his money. And so I, I, what I want us to see, we, we've got to refer to the scripture that says, to whom much is given, much is required. And so before we go being jealous over what somebody else has, let's just, again, just focus and, and know that he's coming back. He's coming back for it. It's not mine anyway. If we've got the biblical perspective on money, which is that it's all his. And so if I, I, I see that, I'm not, I'm not jealous of responsibility. I remember as a kid, my dad, uh, my dad had a, a key ring, and some of you guys had, had uh, parents like this, and, and the key, there was keys all over it. I was like, Dad, like, you must be an important... He said, nope, I just have a lot of responsibility. He's like, don't be jealous with the person with a lot of keys, with a lot of stuff. They just have a lot more responsibility that comes with it. Um, and, and I think we, we're always jealous over... over over others, and I'm, I'm having to deal with some of this stuff in our current society, in our current church culture, because the reality is that now you have access to the best preachers in the world anytime you want. The best, like, get preach me out of the room. You know, you just you have access to whoever you want to listen to at any point. You have the best worship music, and, and we're like, whether we want to or not, we're comparing that to our local ministry. And so I have to kind of work through this a little bit and realize that, hey, when you, when you love another uh, preacher or teacher somewhere else and like you're just getting a lot from them, it's not a slight to me. It's just a compliment to them. And the same thing goes here to the two. It was not a slight to him. It was a compliment to the five. The, the master felt like he could trust him with that. And so I have to work through that. And I think we all have to work through it. But I think the heart of this whole contentment and this whole jealousy thing is, is we've got this void that is unfilled and that we try to fill it with anything and everything. 
<laughs> I just think about this chronologically in our life when we are young. I, I remember me, I, I really dealt with a lot of rejection stuff. I, I've shared that story before. A lot of rejection, a lot of rejection baggage, even still now in, in my adulthood, I have to fight through and, and let God heal always. But it always goes back to, I think when we were young, we had this empty drinking pitcher and every, the first person that accepts us and, and we're looking for acceptance, we try to fill up this drinking pitcher with their affirmation and their acceptance. And what we find is that we're empty. And then we go and we're in the, the driving age. And then we try to get the coolest car. And then we're comparing that to others. And we're not content, content because we're trying to get sustenance from it and fill our, our need for acceptance and affirmation still. And, and there's just this whole identity crisis that just transfers from one to the next. And then it's our career and then it's our home and then it's our family. And then it's our, and it's just this cycle. And it just reminds me of Pastor Ismail down in Nakuru, Kenya, and the, the, the children that he ministers to, these young boys on the street who sniff glue to fill their bellies, but it's empty. Like they're not getting any sustenance and that's our pursuit for stuff. We keep filling this picture thinking that we're gonna get sustenance and, and it's empty every single time and it's destroying us from the inside out every single time. Jesus said, I have food that you know nothing about and that's, that food is to do the will of the Father. He told that same woman uh, just previously after he was talking to his disciples there, just before that, the Samaritan woman, he says, sis, I wanna give you I want to give you living water where you'll never thirst again. And some of us, I, I don't know that some of this stuff is going to ever fully and finally be satisfied, but I think it's a daily choosing to be satisfied in everything that God is and filling us up. And then, then, this, we, then we can do um, what Hebrews 13.5 says, which is keep your lives free from the, the love of money and be content with what you have. Then we can do that. Because we have him. The rest of that scripture says, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The master chose correctly what each one needed, each according to their own ability. You think that five talents will make you, it might break you. And I'm guessing the master knows. And I think with the one, I think that he was just taking a flyer on him. We're just going to see. That's just enough to just see how you do. We're going to give you a shot to be faithful. And with every single one in the room, you may not have what you want, but you've got what you need to be faithful with. You've got what you need to be faithful with it. And so walk in that. The second question um, I want to ask you is, will the weight of responsibility motivate you to action, motivate me to action, or to crippling fear? Will the weight of responsibility motivate me to action or to crippling fear? There's been many times um, just in the course of our ministry here, particularly in here in Jacksonville, when I've, I've had some moments where the weight of it all was just too much. It was just too much. The weight that I feel with every message of every weekend, with every meeting that I have, I feel, I feel like it's life and death. I do. Because I know that, that spiritually, like m many of you, like if the preparation's not gone into it, like it, it makes a difference in people's lives spiritually. I believe what we do is eternal, and I believe the best investment you can ever make is in the local church. I believe that, because Jesus believed that. 
Jesus said, I'm going to build my, 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 uh, my church on you, feeble people. And when we come together, we are the hope. We are the light of the world, as Jesus called us. And we're like, no, you're the light of the world. Yeah, he's the light of the world, and then we are the light of the world. We're trustees with him in this. But there's been times where this weight of responsibility has paralyzed me. Where, to the point where I, I was just overwhelmed with it all. And sometimes it lasted for an afternoon, sometimes a week or two, sometimes an entire season, where I've just, I felt like just paralyzed by the weight of responsibility. And maybe you feel like that somewhere in your life right now, and just like, no, nah, it's easier for me to just pass this baton. It's easier for me not, not to just have the responsibility. And that's, and that's true. It is easier. Um, but God's called you where he's called you. He's chose you where he's chosen you. And it's an honor. It's humbling to be chosen, to be called. But many times we're looking down on what we have or, or we, um, we're just letting it cripple us. And every single time I've had to make the decision that some of you are going to have to make today, you need to make in this moment, it's like, am I going to cripple in fear? Am I going to stay in this kind of paralytic state in which I'm not walking in the responsibility and calling of God faithfully in the few things that I've been trusted with? Or am I going to declare the truth of God's promises over me and say, I am more than a conqueror. I am a beloved child of God. I am called. I am chosen. He'll qualify those that he's called. Um, and am I going to walk in that? And I just have a choice of which way I'm going to go with this. Thank God for the body of Christ that constantly just, and the spirit of God that just quickens me and brings me back into the truth that he has called me to walk in, um, both for my sake and, and for yours. And so I'm thankful for that, but I just know across this room, there's some people in the room that the weight of being a parent is just too much for you right now. The weight of your responsibility at work is, is too much for you right now. The weight of your small group, the weight of your, your service in the, in, the, in the body, is just, it just feels like a little bit too much. And it's kind of crippling you in fear. It's kind of paralyzed you. You're kind of deer in the headlights, like exit left. <laughs> you know, I, I just want to get out of this. But it, I just want you to know you've been honored and humbled. And I, I don't want it to cripple anybody and paralyze. I want it to motivate you to action like it did for this one with five. And it motivated the one with two. It motivated them. They went out hustling. And so what I'm hoping today is that instead of crippling away in fear, that we become more hungry and more ready to hustle and pray like we've never hustled and like we've never prayed before, knowing that we, we can't afford to miss it because he will return. And somebody's life, some, somebody's spiritual life might depend on it. These five, the one with five, he went to work. I don't know what he did. He was hustling, though. He was doing something. So I don't know if he was a loan shark loaning this out, and he turned, he doubled his money in interest. Like, that's, that's loan shark stuff. Um, or if they just exchanged it for some goods, they were super savvy and really smart, paper clipped to a house in Saskatchewan, of all things. I don't know what they did, but they doubled it. Two did the same thing. And the one, he buried it. And what was at the essence? He tells us exactly what's going on. I, I knew you were a hard man. He he misjudged the character of the master. Because is, God is a jealous God, but it's perfect love that casts out fear, and it's this kindness that leads us to repentance. And it's, and it's not a workspace thing, but it's a, it's a joy, and it's a humbling, it's an honor to do it. We must walk in that. But he buries it because he said, I was afraid. I was afraid I wouldn't be good enough. 
I was afraid my work wouldn't pay off. I was afraid of what it would cost me. You just start filling in the, you start filling in the gaps of the fears that you're dealing with on why many times we just bury the talents. We bury the resources. We bury the time. We bury the money and just let it. And, and I, want, I want, to, want you to notice here, the first two did something positive with it. They doubled the money. The third one, he actually didn't do anything negative. He just did nothing. And some of us, that's kind of where we're at. Like, it's not that we're doing anything negative. We're not being frivolous with our resources, but we're not doing anything good with it. We're not investing it in the kingdom. We're not investing it in things that make a difference for eternity, not for the temporary. And so if you're kind of hiding in this place of inaction or indifference, I just want to call you beyond it. And, And don't be motivated by fear, but be motivated by faith Because what the scriptures constantly tell us is God richly rewards those who are willing to walk in faith. The one buried it. And I just want to ask you, are you being faithful in the little things? Faithful in the little things. Managing the budget. Being on time. Like you you fill in the, what the little things that you are entrusted with, you fill in in, in the gap of what those are right now. And then read back to yourself, 1 Timothy 1, 7, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us the, uh, a spirit of, uh, of power and of love and of self-discipline or of a sound mind, other translations will say. That's what God has given us that. And so this isn't going to happen by your own work. It's going to happen through God. It's not about your works. It's going to happen through faith in God and trusting God. And that's what it's always been about. And that's what it will always be about. It'll be about faith. And I just believe in this season, in this year, God is wanting to stretch our faith collectively, but our faith individually as well. And, and I've seen over and over again, and I don't know if there's another place that God stretched me more than in the area of finances. There is something, there is a reason Jesus talks about it so much, is because it's so connected to our heart, because we so rely on it for survival. We do. It's so at the core of our being. And so that's why he gives us the Sabbath and tells us to not work on a day. Trust me, while you're sitting still doing nothing, trust me that it's all still going to get done in six days. And for that, this workaholic, it has been, it, it has been the pruning of God season after season. And it has been the stretching of God season after season to walk in faith and not by might. And not by wisdom, but in faith. And so I don't know where that lands with you. Last question today is what will the master's response be when he returns? What will the master's response be to us today in the room as trustees? What will the master's response be? It's individual. It's not collective. Well done, Fathom Church. Woo. Well done good and faithful servant, or you wicked, lazy servant. It's intense. One thing that I think is really interesting here is one little thing, and I think we miss this all the time. I think the disciples miss this totally, because for years, the early church, I mean, you actually see it in the scriptures that they really believed on an immediate, very quick return of Jesus. 
like after he left and ascended, they really believed, the early church really believed that he would show back at any moment. And like some of us are raised in this very, he could be here at any moment. You're going to get struck with a bus. You, you know, you need to believe today because it's possible. Well, it is, it is possible. Um, but something Jesus says in this parable as he's preparing his disciples, he says, after a long time, the master returned. And there is something deep about this that I want us to catch. <laughs> I, I played quarterback in high school. And people are always shocked. They think I was a kicker. Um, and I played basketball right after that season. Um, I, I played basketball right after that season. And I always found out how out of shape I was in basketball season because basketball shape is totally different than football shape. And um, I'd be throwing up at the beginning of basketball season because literally everybody else is running routes and fighting each other in the trenches. And I'm like, one, two, three, boop. And like hand off and it's like done. There's no cardio for me at a football practice. But that at the end, everybody had to run laps. You know, 100, you know, 100 yard field, 120 yard field actually. 100 players running laps all the way around. Got to run it for 15 minutes or something. And so we do this thing, it's called the lineman shuffle. Some of you that were linemen in the house, you just, you, you move your arms fast and your feet are actually moving slow, you know? And then when you'd come by where the coaches are standing and watching, you'd really sprint it out, you know, you that last, you'd do it straight away and then you walk basically the rest of the time. And uh, some of you do this, like you're running, you know, you're doing your, your workout and then you're, you're walking and then um, a car pulls up and you're like, you know, <laughs> some subtle accountability. And I think, I think there's something huge to this that we need to get because I think a lot of us, the reason for our lack of faithfulness in the few things is because the accountability, it's the semblance of a lack of accountability. We've got it stuck in our mind that God got forever. And I think, you know, it would help us if we knew, hey, I'm coming back for my six grand next week. And so you better do something. <laughs> you know, it would help us if there was an immediate accountability or tomorrow I'm coming back for it. You better make something happen today. But it's the semblance of a lack of accountability. But, but I just want you to know he's coming, he's coming back. He's coming back. There's accountability. God sees every detail and, and he's looking for those that, are, that will be faithful and good stewards with what he has entrusted them with every breath in your being. I'm crazy about um, efficiency in my life. It annoys my wife. It annoys the people around me because I'm just big on it because I want to make the most of every opportunity. I don't want wasted space. I learned it in the restaurant business. Like You don't go back to the kitchen without some dishes in your hand. just want to make the most of every opportunity. And, and frankly, some of us, because of the distance in time, that the semblance of a lack of accountability, we're not living like God is watching the now and he's present now. And, and I think it all goes back to where we started this. It's about, it's not about the works. It's not about the doing. It's about the being with him and that inspires the doing. It's, it's not the other way around. And it's about real faith in him, real exercising of our faith, not the appearance of it. And not just the appearance of it when somebody's watching. Or, and that's why Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, look, when you give, don't tell anybody about it. When you pray, don't pray so everybody can hear you and think you're like super spiritual. Don't babble on. He said, it's about your heart is what I'm after. There's so much here that I could just keep on. Um, 
But I want to end here. He tells, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, You've been faithful with a few things. Now I'll put you over many. And I vary from a lot of translations. I think the, the correct translation of the Greek text is, Enter into the joy of the Lord, the chada of the Lord. I, I believe that's what the translation should be, not into your master's happiness. The word is joy, chada. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And I'll just say, if you are being unfaithful in any way, shape, or form, or you've been walking through a season of unfaithfulness in any way, shape, or form, I'm guessing you don't have the joy of the Lord in your life right now. And... Once you've walked in that faithfulness and experienced the joy of the Lord, and the joy of the Lord does not come from our works, it comes from the invitation of the Master and in, in, in seeing us in our faithfulness. And so today, my invitation is this, like enter into the joy of the Lord. And the way we're going to do it is through faithfulness. The int- and this is, is a thing today, in the physical, in the present, in, in the moment, but this is also for the kingdom come. This, was, this is also about eternity. To be faithful with what we've been given and to be ready is to be faithful today. So I want to ask you to stand and we're going to pray and maybe you're in the struggling category or the sporadic category. I don't know where you're at today, but I, I know where God is drawing us into And it's to be people of faith and to be people that will walk in the power of his presence and with the joy of the Lord. And and if you haven't experienced that ever, the joy of the Lord, not not happiness that will come and go, but the joy of the Lord that comes from just relentless obedience and trusting God, I want to invite you to that place today. I think in every single one of our lives, God's, God's asking for a response of some sort. Hey, don't just be hearers of the word, be a doer of the word. Blessed are those that, have, that are actually walking in it. And so I want to pray over you today. God, all across this room, We feel in the community today. Like we feel community. We're feeling a congregation here. But God, I know, I, I know that you are looking down into each of our hearts. And you're not bound by time. So a long time to you is just a, who knows. But God, I, I know you are drawing us into faithfulness. You are drawing us into your heart and to be about our Father's business, God. That when you return, we shall be ready because we have walked in faith and faithfulness with the time, with the breath, with the gifts, with the abilities, with the finances, with the resources, with the relationships that you've entrusted us. We've been faithful with the few, the two people in our small group or the, the, the opportunities you've given us to minister. It may not be the platform we think we want, but God, we know that you know where we're at and we trust you in the marathon. And we want to walk faithfully, keeping the right pace, God and step with your spirit every day and every moment of every day. I just thank you for this time. In Christ's name, amen.
I want to invite you today. Some of you are in the room and, and maybe you've been running from the Lord. Maybe um, this unfaithfulness thing is resonating because there's ways in which you've been unfaithful. I don't know if that's in your mind. Men and women in the room. I don't know if that's in your checkbook. I don't know if that's in your time. Giving your very best in response to his goodness to you. I don't know where that's at. But I know that there is inspiration for us. And this isn't about our own physical, what we can do. And that inspiration is at this table. You didn't earn it. This wasn't about you doubling your money. This wasn't about you being on your best behavior this week or ever. This was about what Christ did for us, his body broken for us. And our constant inspiration comes at his feet and at his cross for what he did for us. And so if you rush out.